0: Welcome to the New Era and Business Property Podcast with myself, Rick Gannon, where each week we interview somebody that's really inspiring and is doing some great things within their business and their property journey. If you're interested in learning more, then please go onto Amazon and download the book House Arrest, and House Arrest is an all-encompassing property educational book. and hello everybody and welcome to this session of property negotiations and how we can become the masters at negotiating and this covers investors, it covers buyers and you know even selling your deals if you are deal sourcing. So what we're going to do in the next sort of 30 minutes or so is go through how you can maximize on your return and why you should be a good negotiator. So let's break it down. Estate agents, you know, I mean, I think personally, estate agents get a bit of a bad rap. And estate agents are also known as sales negotiators because they are paid to be negotiators. Now, we talk a lot about agents, you know, with our programs and saying that, you know, agents are there to either sell a property or rent a property. And what do we try and do? We try and buy properties or we try and rent properties. So we need to start Uh, learning the skills of negotiation and working with agents a lot more than we probably do at the moment. Now, who feeds and clothes your family? Now, that's the next question. You know, um, is it a vendor? Is it an estate agent? Is it a solicitor? is it a a buyer? You know, it's up to you, isn't it, to feed and clothe your family. It's entirely up to you to provide and nobody is going to do that for you. So it's really important that we get these skills and, and hone in on them and become the master or the ninja of negotiators, okay? So the mastery of negotiations will make you more money than anything else. So, This is the definition of a negotiator. Negotiation is a dialogue between two or more people or parties intended to reach a beneficial outcome over one or more issues where a conflict exists with respect to at least one of these issues. The beneficial outcome can be for all of the parties involved or just for one or some of them. Now that's a bit of a mouthful. Now that's come from Wikipedia and that's their definition of a negotiator. And that's what we're gonna hone in on in the next half an hour or so. So what types of negotiations are there? Well, let's go through. First of all, we've got procurement. And procurement, the definition, is the process of finding agreeing terms and acquiring goods services or works from an external source often via a tendering or competitive bidding process. The process is used to ensure the buyer receives goods, services or works at the best possible price when aspects such as quality, quantity, time and location are compared. So that's the first one, procurement. The next one is haggling. And we've all heard of haggling. It's something that perhaps we don't do a lot of in our country, in the UK, and certainly more often than not, it, it happens you know, abroad and when you go on holiday, but certainly don't seem to do an awful lot of haggling um, from where we are in the UK. So haggling is the bargaining or haggling is a type of negotiation in which the buyer and the seller of a good or service debate the price and the exact nature of a transaction. So if the bargaining procedures agreement on terms, then the transaction takes place. And then we've got barter, bartering. What is that? Well, bartering is a system of exchange where goods or services are directly exchanged for other goods or services without using a medium of exchange, such as money. You know what, when we were kids, we used to call this swapping, didn't we? So it's the same thing. So for example, there's often something else involved in the deal, and how could you apply this to your deals and think outside the box with regards to something that you want? This comes in really well, folks, with when we're um, bartering for terms of a contract. You know, we could call it negotiating, I suppose. But, you know, it kind of comes under the terms of barter. So I want more money. Okay, well, I can give you more money, Mr. Vendor. But in return, I want something else. So I'm going to take away maybe the... the clause that states I will be responsible for the boiler. So if you want more money off me each month, that's fine, but then your responsibility will to be look after the boiler rather than mine. So I would say that that would be both a negotiation and a barter. Um, So could you offer your knowledge and expertise in exchange for something maybe as a JV partner uh, or an investor has that you need? So you could potentially barter your time, maybe your money, Mm, is that kind of, does that come into it? Because that's a medium of exchange. You've got knowledge, you've got time and your skills perhaps. So if you were a builder, if you are a builder and maybe you could leverage that and barter with somebody to say, look, you know what, You, uh, you put up the deal, I will do the house and we'll do a joint venture. Maybe it could work in that way and that's quite a strong thing to be able to do. So there are many forms of buying and selling and we know that. And all negotiations involve the transfer of value to the other party, and that value could be it could be money, it could be time, or it could be energy, which would be systems, processes, the ability to solve problems. Um, it could be uh, the pleasure of doing it, the emotion. So you know that all comes under energy. It could be the intellect, which is the IP or perhaps it could be money. So it's all of those, and these are many forms that we would go into a joint venture agreement, potentially, you know, with one or more of those assets. So you could be the fact that you've got the money and you can negotiate the fact, well, you know what, I've got the money, you go and source the deal, you do the negotiation, and then we can do a joint venture based on the back of that and I'll put the cash in. Or it could be that, look, you know, I've got the time And I've got the energy and I've got the emotion. I'm really focused. And you know what? I've got the processes to put in place to make this business work. So I've got all of that. What have you got? Have you got the money? You know, have you got the same energy as us? What is it that you're bringing to the table? So when it comes to negotiating, these are the main aspects, the four main aspects. It could be the intellect, which is the, the IP. So for example, if you, um, you know, away from property perhaps on this one, but if you've got someone um, that is involved in computer systems, etc., you're really good at negotiating and selling. They're really good at coding. They've got the IP and the intellect. You've got the time and the energy. You might both have the money and then you can work out your Joint venture agreements off the back of that or something similar. So, I know that's not specifically about property, but that is, you know, one of the forms that we use for negotiations for buying and selling. What is it you're bringing to the party? What is it that they're bringing to the party? So, how can you haggle? How can you negotiate and barter and procure everything that you can? bring to the party as a win-win. So it's always got to be a win-win. And when we talk about joint ventures, there never really is. You know, somebody says, you, "What? what is the best joint venture? How do we get that joint venture agreement? Well, there is no one size fits all. You know, there isn't something that you can just get off a shelf and say, that's a joint venture and that's how we do it, that's how we negotiate. Because every single deal and transaction is gonna be completely bespoke, it's gonna be different. So it's whatever you agree to with your joint venture partner, with your vendor. So, good negotiation is good communications with results. Okay, so good negotiation is good communications with results, what does that mean? Well, we're gonna cover that in a second, okay, because it's it's very much about understanding people and it's really important folks. So why am I teaching you this? Well, when you go networking, when you're starting in your property journey, this is probably one of the most fundamental things that you've got to get right. So people often say, how will people trust me? How will they take me seriously? Well, let's go back all the way to understanding the other person, because that's what this is all about. So to begin with, seek first to understand and then be understood. What the hell does that mean? Seek first to understand and then be understood. Okay, we're going to go through all of these points, but this means that to begin with, You've got to make sure that you are a good communicator. And by being a good communicator doesn't always mean talking. Now, I know it's difficult because I'm talking at you kind of right now because that's the way that the system is and you're listening. But to begin with, you know, you, you need to seek first. So you need to understand what other people want before you try and get your own point across. Communication. Is the most important skill that we've all got in life and we spend years learning how to read and write and years learning how to speak but nobody really teaches us about how to listen what training have you ever had that enables you to listen so you really deeply understand another human being well i don't think you do we don't really have that training do we it's something that you know you have to kind of pick up in later life Um, we don't often get taught how to communicate with people effectively certainly not you know um, when i was at school so if you're like most people you probably seek first to be understood you want to get your point across so when you're networking and you're in a crowd of people and you go up to them and sometimes it's nerves and you start talking, and you can't shut up. That's not the right way to do it, okay? So in doing that, you're ignoring the other person completely and pushing them away from you. So what we do is try and listen. Listen with your heart, uh, and not as most people do, listen with the intent to reply. Now that's quite interesting. So we need to listen to understand the other person. We're not listening for breaks in the conversation so we can butt in, We are listening to what they are saying. And I can guarantee, folks, if you listen to somebody and you ask questions and that will empower them and it will give them that sense of importance, then they will warm to you more than anything else. Now, there's nothing worse, and I think we've all been through it, of talking to someone in a room and you can't get a word in edgeways. All they want to talk about is all the good stuff that they're doing and they're not really interested in what you're doing. Well, we're not bothered about them, are we? We don't really care too much because we want to do the same. We want to talk about us and that's normal because we are all human beings and we've all got the same needs and wants or similar needs and wants. So, practice this next time you're at a networking meeting, okay? So when you go to a networking meeting, Do these following things. First of all, obviously you've got to smile. I'm going to cover that in a second. Greet the person, be friendly with them. If they're willing to shake your hand, then put your hand out and be nice and polite and friendly. And then just listen to them and be attentive. Don't be distracted by the other people in the room. Very often when you're in a conversation with somebody and they break eye contact, to look at the person that's perhaps stood behind you, then you know that they're not listening to you and that lowers your energy. And I think we've all been there, haven't we? Come on, folks, we've all been there. You know if you're talking to someone and they look at the person that's walking behind you or their eye contact moves, that kind of breaks the conversation, isn't it, okay? So seek first to be understood, all right? Seek first, sorry, to understand, sorry, not be understood. Seek first to understand and then look for being understood, okay? It's really, really important. The other thing is as well, folks, people are not interested in your fast cars, and they're not interested in how big your house is, and they're definitely not interested in your ailments, so steer away from all of that. I know when we post deals and, you know, we put things out in Facebook groups, but that's to educate and hopefully um, people will pick up on, on that and do the same for themselves. But if you're just literally talking about your wares, then no one's interested at all. OK, so drop all of that. Don't talk about your illnesses. And, you know, I know it's important to you, but it's only important to you because really nobody else cares. And especially strangers, they would find it really off-putting. OK, there is no such thing as no communication. And what we do is this is really important, folks. When it becomes to negotiating and negotiating deals, we have something called we we've kind of named this ourselves a no update update. Well what does that mean? Well if you're negotiating a deal with somebody and you haven't really got any further, so maybe you've been out and you've viewed a property and you've said to the vendor, look, you know, I'm gonna go away now, I'm gonna look at this and see if I can make it work. That you know something that's a win-win and we're both happy with, and then I'll get back to you. So give me a couple of days and I will be back on the phone. Now the first thing is, more than likely, if they've approached you from a direct campaign, a marketing campaign, then there is a very strong chance that they will also be dealing with somebody else, not just you. So it's really important here that we use our communication to give them an update regularly. Even if you're no further forward, you need to pick up the phone or send them an email, preferably pick up the phone and say, hi, Mr. Vendor, I just thought I'd let you know that we're still working on this. We're still trying to make it work for both of us. Can we just give us a couple more days and I'll be back with you, maybe with a proposal or an offer? Okay? Because if you don't do that, they potentially will think that you've gone quiet for a reason, they might be confused, and they might think that, you know what, you haven't got back to me, you told me it was about speed and certainty, and in fact, I've not heard from you, so I'm gonna go maybe with somebody else, okay? So it's okay to tell people you are no further forwards, that's fine, and we do that a lot, all right? And there's loads of reasons why you might not be very far forward. It might be that you've been busy or it may be that you're struggling to make the deal work or it's, you know, it's not quite stacking. You might need some more information. So you can call them and ask them for that information, even better, or call them and let them know that you're trying to get there and you'll get back in touch with them as soon as possible. Now we spoke about listening skills here. Okay. Now this is the absolute cheapest concession that you can make. And it, demonstrate sincerity but don't do it falsely if you're listening to somebody remember what i just said you're listening to their words to their story and you're taking it in you're not listening for a break so you can butt in and say yeah but all right so listen intently you know you make sure that you're you're concentrating on their words and ask questions when appropriate don't butt in and don't be defensive because if you begin to be defensive that will only put them away you'll probably end up having a heated discussion rather than a conversation it's really important folks okay so you know most active activity you can do is listening all right it's not a passive skill you've got to concentrate on it and you've got to take the words in because guess what You can only have one thought at a time and if your thought is on something else you cannot listen to them and take it all in you know when you're listening to an audiobook and you're listening and you're taking it all in and then all of a sudden Um, your your thought goes off you know your thought pattern just goes off to something else that's happened maybe in the day or maybe a worry that you've got about tomorrow and then you all of a sudden you're back in the room and you're back in the audiobook but you've completely lost the last 30 seconds or maybe even longer because you can't concentrate on more than one thing at a time okay so research shows that when people are listened to they generally listen to themselves And they open up more. They will share more with you. And this is great. So if you're with a vendor or if you're talking to a potential client on the phone and they know that you're listening because they're asking you questions about the things that you've just said, then they're going to open up even more to you. They're going to warm towards you and they're going to trust you even more. And you know this works, folks, because you know yourself. You know, sometimes people say, wow, they're really likeable. Well, that's because they've shown an interest in you first because they've said hi John how are you how was your day oh you know what well my day was and then you go off and talk and they listen their eye contact remains the same they don't interrupt and they don't become negative negative. and then when it's the appropriate time they will ask you a question and say wow well you know um tell me more about this you know I'm really interested so what happened And then towards the end, you know what? Well, is there anything I can help you with these issues? You know, it's a really interesting story. And thanks for sharing. So you know that they've been listening to your story. And don't be false with it, you know. I mean, that's just a little bit of an example. But don't be false. Be honest and be genuine and be genuinely interested in what they've got to say. Okay? Now, a lot of this comes from my background in the police, all right? So this is tried and tested, not just in property, but in the police as well. Because... Listened people or listened to people will become less, less defensive and more willing to opposite views. What does that mean? Okay, for example, somebody's Mr. Angry Man, as we used to call them. Now, going into a Mr. Angry Man syndrome or Mr. Mr. Negative syndrome and challenging them straight away will only escalate and it will escalate in the wrong way. But if you listen to them Let them talk, let them say their piece, and then when they've said it, eventually, because they will run out eventually, okay, well, I I understand what you're saying and thank you very much for sharing. So what can we do to help you move away from this situation, to help you move away from this position? In property, it would be okay. So um, you go and see a vendor, and potentially, you know, they're a little bit frosty because sometimes they can be. They're obviously gonna want top dollar for their property, um, but what we don't do is become defensive. If they say, look, you know, I want 250,000 pounds for my property, and it's only worth 200. You, you don't get defensive and say, whoa, don't be daft, I bought one down the road last week for, so okay, well, that's fantastic. Um, can I ask you, what are you basing that price on? Well, I'm basing it on because it it's worth it. Okay, have you had the house valued well, yes, I valued it myself. Okay, fantastic. Have you looked at any of the local comparisons in the area? Do you know what the house next door sold You know, a couple of months ago or whatever? Well, no, because I, I don't need to and this is what I want. So, okay, great, cool. So, now I've got a great understanding of how much you're looking for for the property. It gives me an idea to be able to you know work forward. So, rather than you know negotiating the opposite way saying well that's a load of rubbish it's not worth that you're living in cloud cookie land um you know <laughs> they're going to become defensive straight away all right so listening on steroids become the master and you can influence and uh, access another's mind through listening it is really the best negotiating skill that we have got Now we talk about empathy. Now this is another great one. When we talk about people, we need to listen to them and we need to show empathy towards them. Okay. Now we've all got different values and all got different opinions and that's absolutely fine. But if we're showing an empathy towards them and their opinions, then their defensive energy will go down and it'll be replaced by positive energy. Okay? And that's when you can get more creative in solving people's problems, and that's come from Stephen Covey, and I think that guy pretty much knows what he's talking about. So, um, you know, empathise towards them, and you know, try and understand what it is that, that they're telling you, and, and and live, you know, in their mind almost, and and agree with them if you know, um, if it's something that you're not completely opposed to. But let's just read that quote again from Stephen. When you show deep empathy towards others, their defensive energy will go down and their positive energy will replace it. And that's when you can get more creative in solving people's problems. When you start to develop your powers of empathy and imagination, the whole world opens up to you. And that's from Susan Sarandon. Now, that's real, isn't it, folks? I know lots of people talk about the power of the universe and and all things like that, all things nice. Um, And whether you get that or not, whether you believe in that or not, the more people that you help, you will get more help back in return. And that's generally just how it works okay? It works in everything that we do. If you help somebody, then, you know, at some point in the future, they're going to help you back. Now, if you're going to be empathetic towards somebody, if you're going to understand people's needs, it's going to make them warm towards you. And if you know that all the people, you know, sometimes you go through life and you think, you know what, that person's really friendly. They've got loads of friends. Um, they just attract people. Well, if you observe them, they attract people because they're not interested in talking about themselves they're more interested in other people, which empowers the other person, and then they are more warmed and have more energy towards that person because they make them feel important. The great gift of human beings is that we have the power of empathy, and that's from Meryl Streep, so it's not just me ranting about this. Um, So, observing negotiation. So, everything we do in life is about negotiating at some point isn't it your kids now they're the best at it aren't they um what did i think It was last saturday and my daughter wanted me to take her swimming with her friends and i was so busy i didn't have enough time to be able to do it and it wasn't planned and we had other things and eventually we were, like 10 minutes later we were walking out the door with our bags packed with towels under our arms now my daughter's only nine and she managed to well i call it manipulate but <laughs> she managed to negotiate going swimming for the next hour with me if she tidied her room. Now, that's coming from her. I didn't say, you know what, I'll take you if you're tired of your room. She said, well, what if? And she went into the negotiation process with me. But kids aren't trained to do it. It just becomes natural, doesn't it? You know, your wife might be doing it or your husband, you know, your family, your partner, your friends. Everybody negotiates at some form. So what we like to do is become an observer and watch the professionals like their children how do they do it and they are awesome negotiators aren't they um and there's children we've got these stats here that you know children hear the word no over 400 times a day i think it's probably double that in my house and we've learned to kind of ignore it and negotiate it rather than just hearing that word no because no doesn't always mean um, no, not now. And in terms of negotiations for property, no doesn't mean no ever. It might just mean no, not now. And if we can negotiate around that, say, okay, well, what is it that's putting you off at the moment? What is it that you're not happy with? And listen to the answer, then potentially we might be able to get around those no's. We won't always. And if they're not interested in doing a deal at the price that you're asking, then we can put them in the follow up box and just give regular updates, give, give them a call maybe every three or four months. So, you know, no doesn't always mean not, no, not ever. It sometimes just means no, not at the moment in terms of property negotiation. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is really important and it's um, really careful to be able to create the right image um, in your prospect's mind. I've jumped one there. So the brain doesn't always process a negative, okay? So if I say to you now, don't think of a beach, you're going to think of a beach. Don't think of a pink elephant. What's in your head right now? We can only have one thought at a time. You're thinking of a pink elephant. Well, you should be. I certainly am. Yeah? So, um, you know, this is important to create the right image in your prospect's mind. Because if we say don't do something, then sometimes it can have the reverse effect. So, called this Jedi Mind Tricks. Slow it down a little bit. I talk fast. And that's something that, I don't know, maybe it was because... Um, I don't know. I was I, I was just brought up that way, or whether it's just the way that I, maybe I've trained myself um, over the years, you know, with public speaking and stuff. I don't know. It's just sometimes it's you know it's not a very good trait because I've got so much information in my head, and I just wanted to get it out there, and I want everyone to get as much content as possible. So sometimes I will talk really, really quickly, and I don't understand that why people don't get what I'm saying because I'm talking too fast because I understand it. So if you're in a hurry it can make people feel unheard and it might undermine their trust so be in the room it's really important we say this a lot make sure you're in the room if you're on the phone to a vendor don't have any distractions going on now i'm in the room you know i'm here right now i'm giving you this information um I'm talking to myself almost you know into a microphone um, but I know that this is going to go out to loads of people and you're going to get this content and I'm in the room. My phone is switched off. I haven't got my Facebook popping up. I've got no telly in the background. Um, everyone's got to be quiet you know in the house, etc. So don't be in a hurry. If you are in a hurry, don't make the call. If you're going to a networking meeting and you haven't got time for someone, that will come across and they will remember that next time you see them, okay? So you don't want to undermine people when you're listening to them and you're trying to build those relationships, okay? They also, they might be suspicious about why you're in a hurry um, and they're gonna feel uncomfortable, folks, okay? So slow process equals slow, calm negotiations. So we don't be too pushy, we're gonna slow it down, and I'm talking to you in a much slower voice now. I'm going to put my midnight DJ voice on because um, I do talk quickly. And, you know, sometimes you do have to train ourselves to just pull it back a little bit, right? So slow-paced negotiations builds rapport. You know the pushy salespeople. The salespeople that are on the phone, the fast talkers, you know, if you buy now in the next, you know, on this call, you've got to do it now, blah, blah, blah. You get pushed away, you get repelled from it. So, you know, it's about building those relationships up and about taking a little bit of time in order to do it. Now, this is a great one, folks, okay? Now, we call this mirroring, and we've covered this before, by the way, folks. So for those of you who've seen this before and heard this before, that's fine, because sometimes we go back and we just make sure that we re-cement these learnings, because this is one of the most important skills that we can put out there, okay? So mirroring, what does that mean? Physical mirroring body language will build your trust and confidence, sorry, your your person that you're talking to, their trust and their confidence. Mirror their words, use familiar, similar language. Use the keywords that they're using. If they're sort of tilting their head to one side, then you can tilt your head to one side and that shows them that you are engaged with them and their conversation, okay? So if they're gonna be using things like, and they talk about my house, and my home, and my place, then you say, okay, so tell me about your place. Tell me about your home. Where is your house? Use the same language that they use, okay? And this will really empower the person that you're talking to. So we do, we like people that are similar to us, don't we? We absolutely do because um, that's the way we are. We're not going to warm to someone that's completely negative towards us or to someone that's not interested in anything that we're saying. So we use these techniques to build the trust and subconsciously um, tell the world, if you like, or tell the people that we're talking to that actually, you know what? We are alike. Okay, so you you walk into a networking room and you are met with three people and you've got a middle-aged chappy that looks really scornful on the maybe the left-hand side of the room. And you've not been to this networking meeting before. And you look at him and you think, oh, he doesn't look very friendly. Then you've got the chap on the right-hand side who looks a little bit discerning or a little bit confused. Sees you walking in and squints a bit. thinks, And you think, well, he's looking at me as if I shouldn't be here. Or you've got the chappy in the middle, usually the host's and he's is friendly, his is body language is good, he's looking at you, he's making eye contact, and he's got a beaming smile on his face. Well, which one would you naturally go to? I think it's a simple question, isn't it? you go to the person that looks the most welcoming. So we make sure that we adapt all of these, you know? Um, use your smile, body language is massive. And if you smile at people they will smile back. And I know it's easy to say. And when we go to networking meetings, lots of the time, you know, people are uncomfortable there. They don't know everybody. And you kind of, you take your phone and you look down, don't make eye contact at me. I don't want to talk to anybody. So you know what? Here's a little task for you. Smile at people in the street as you walk past them. And just have a little competition with yourself. And out of 20 smiles, see how many smiles you get back, all right? And I bet you it's really high because it makes people feel good, you know? It releases a bit of dopamine and a couple of endorphins and a bit of serotonin and it's all about, you know, when you smile, all of that flashes across your face. It relaxes you as well, makes you feel good. It can lower your heart rate and your blood pressure. But most of all, you know, it makes you feel relaxed around other people. So just practice that. We've all got these skills. And I think over the years, we tend not to use them as much because we're so preoccupied with our own shit. Um, You know, we don't care about anybody else. But, you know, this is about negotiating and about, you know, um, working with other people, negotiating skills all come around body language. And, you know, if you smile at people, they are going to warm towards you. Okay? And then your tones of your voice. the tone of your voice. Now we spoke about this earlier. I speak really fast and I've just accelerated again, haven't I, because I get really passionate about all of this stuff. But the tone of your voice is probably the easiest that you can influence, isn't it? Especially if you're on the phone um, and it's kind of, you know, it's got an involuntary response. Um, Your prospect triggering a ready-to-play or fight mode. So, you know, like I said before around um, going into Mr. Angry Man, and if he's, I'm not going to shout, because I don't want to shout down the microphone, but if it's Mr. Angry Man saying, oh, yeah, 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 and you go back and say exactly the same, then it's going to be straight into, you know, well, that's challenge mode, that's fight mode, um, I don't care, because it's meeting fire with fire. So we've got three kind of tones of voices, haven't we? We've got, I can't really, we've got late night DJ voice, you know, which is, so, thank you, and nice and slow, and thank you for listening this evening. And I've, you know, I'm in control here, and I've actually got this covered. I'm talking with conviction, and I'm very, I'm, I'm very used to doing this. I'm very well-practiced. So, you can practice doing that if you want to. Um, and then you've got your positive, playful voice. You know, and this is the one that we use most of the time in negotiations. And this is the friendly one, isn't it? It's the, oh, Wow. Yeah, I would absolutely love to hear a bit more about that. So please, go on, tell me a little bit more about that. So that shows that you're friendly, you're happy, you know, maybe even a bit playful, but you're interested in the subject. And then we've got the direct assertiveness. Now, you know, this is something perhaps that you know, I have done more in the past because of being a police officer. And this is uh, you know, very direct, very assertive, which will signal dominance and trigger maybe even a passive aggressive or even aggressive behaviors. And we don't really use this in negotiating skills unless it's, you know, there's a time and a place for all of these and this would only really be used at the very end. And so look, you know what? I can't negotiate with you anymore. I'm really sorry. There's nothing else that I can do. So unless you're prepared to come down a little bit, then unfortunately, we're gonna have to walk away from this deal. Okay, so that's quite direct. It's quite assertive, it's still polite. You know, we're not going to be rude, but we've got to sometimes say, you know what, enough is enough. Really sorry, and I'm afraid we're going to have to walk away. Now, you know, it's um, sometimes you could use that in well, in all walks of life, and I'm sure you do that with your kids sometimes if you've got children, or even your partners. You say, you know what, kids, enough's enough. Um, I ask you to go to bed three hours ago, you're still up, (laughs) you need to go to bed now, please. You know, that's your assertive. Now, it doesn't come naturally to everybody and you probably would not need to use that if you've got the other two tones nailed off to a T. So normally, the one in the middle, the positive, playful voice, is the one that we kind of try and use most of the time. So, reasons not to make an agreement. Well, what does that mean? What's the reasons that we can't get an agreement over the line? So, you know, what we've done is, you know, we list the worst things to not do a deal, um, then we say them first, then we exaggerate the reasons and then we'll be silent. What does that mean? So let's explain that a little bit better. So the reasons not to make an agreement are often more popular than why they will. So, oh, well, no, I don't want to do a lease option because if I do a lease option, then potentially you could walk away. The property might go up in value over the three years or the five years or the term of the lease. You're going to get most of that. I'm not going to get it. And then you get the what ifs. Well, what if this happens? And and what if that happens? So you're going to get the reasons they don't want to do the agreement first, okay? So, you know, denying reasons or barriers gives the reason itself more power so we need to get those reasons they don't want to do the deal out in the open how do we do that so so what is it that you're not sure of that's probably the first one isn't it so can you give me the reasons that you don't want to do this deal okay so then we're going to I don't like to use the word label too much, but we're gonna sort of label their emotion and the reason not to do the deal. And so, okay, well, look, I understand that you might, and in this case, be afraid, you know, you might get 100,000 pound more in a better deal. So what we're doing here is we're understanding, we've listened to what they've said, we're, we're not agreeing with them, but you know, we're empathising with them. And I understand that you might be afraid the property might go up in value over the next three years. And I realise you might be worried maybe about my credibility and I might take every brick of your house away. And I know that you're concerned that the deal might be off if the survey says the house is about to fall down. And then what we do is just stay silent. Now, this is a great negotiating skill. It's also a great interview skill. Um, going back to my policing days, so we say, okay, look, you know, um, I know that you were there. Hmm. I realize it may have been a problem. And I understand if you tell me too much, you might be concerned of the consequences. Now, that's a kind of a police thing. But what we always do after all negotiation is pause now it can be a very uncomfortable pause, but I can guarantee they will talk back first. And usually it, they will come back with answers to their own questions. Now, I know this works, folks. I've done this a lot, okay? So I'm gonna go through these again here. List the worst things you know that, that they don't want to do. They're going to do that, all right? You can say them first, or you can ask them to say them first. It doesn't matter. But then you need to exaggerate it. So that's just going back over it again and then remain silent, okay? So if this were me, I would say, look, you know, let's get the bad stuff out. Let's get your concerns out of the way, okay? And I know that you've already told me that you're afraid. I know you've already told me that you're worried about and I know that you've already told me that you're concerned about, okay? And then pause. Or if they're saying that to you, say, okay, can you tell me you know, what your concerns are? So this goes both ways, folks. What are your concerns? Tell me why you don't wanna do this deal. Well, I don't wanna do it because, and am going through the same thing again. And then we're gonna just re-emphasize it. Say, okay, I understand that you might be afraid. I realize that you could be worried, and I know you're concerned, okay? And then just stay silent. And that is a really, really good technique. In anything you do, if you're asking a question to somebody, ask the question, and then let them answer. Don't come back, just, you know, when you ask the question to somebody, and, and, and then straight away you probably, you know, just jump straight back in. Always leave a pause, all right? And then that will allow the other person to, you know, Usually, they will answer their own question or they will say, well, no, it's not because of that. It's because of, but that will open up their feelings towards you in the deal. It's really powerful stuff. And the next thing is the power of no. Is no a good thing or is it a bad thing? I don't know what you think about that. So no tells you more about what would make the deal work. So it could mean, I don't want to do this deal. Okay, please tell me what your concerns are. Well, I need more money. I'm not ready to agree. I don't understand. That's a really good one. I want something different. I need more information. I need to talk it over with my partner, which is always a popular one. I need my partner to advise. They need to be on board with this. And at the moment, they're not. And that is a very popular one as well. Okay. So, think about your prospect's no, right? And what does that no mean? And how can we get that out in the open? Okay, so if they say no, I had a, a prospect oh, a couple of years ago now, and I literally made an offer, and within an hour, they just replied with an email and it just said no. And that was it. And I'm thinking, well, okay, it's no, but why is it no? What does it mean? You know, so we've got to go back then and say, look, I know you've got concerns and you said no. Can you tell me what your concerns are or what are your concerns? And then they're going to hopefully open up and say, well, you know, I need this and I need that. Okay, great. Well, fantastic. Now I know what it is that's made you say no. And then you can negotiate around those issues and those terms to try and make it win and i did make that work so i you know i, I phoned this guy and said look thanks for the email you've said no you know what is it with the deal that you're not happy with well i just don't want to do it okay but you did want to do it a week ago because you called me what's changed well i need more money ah okay okay well thank you for saying that thank you for being so honest um can i ask you please how much more money you're looking for well i need another 200 pounds a month okay, right, okay, well, that's interesting. I might be able to do something about that. Is it okay if I go away and come back, get some numbers to you, and maybe we could have another chat? Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah? So don't just take no, you know, they've, they've said no for a reason, we need to find out what that reason is, etc. cetera, you know, um, with everything that's a no. Um, so what you need to do, folks, you need to go and find some property and practice your negotiations now I know there are people that are not keen on doing this I know there are people that don't want to even embark on any of this now I'm going to tell you a story and I'm sure they won't mind me mentioning them but one of our recent mentees had this um, this obstacle they didn't want to get it but they couldn't get over it. they didn't want to talk and negotiate with people face to face or even on the phone so after working with these people for several months and practicing and helping them with their pitch, if you like, they decided to go and start putting this into practice. And that person or those people have now had to stop their marketing campaigns because they've got too many deals. Now this is true, folks, this is current, okay? So just by using these techniques and by practicing them, you know, they are now getting more deals than they've ever had over the past 12 months. So what do you need to do? Well, you need to put offers in, okay? So this is about taking action now, folks. You know, you can't just go to networking meetings and, and mirror everybody and be really happy and pleasant to them and expect to get deals. You've still got to get out there and do it. So you need to make sure, these are my top four tips for you now. You've got to make offers where the deal stacks. If you're not making offers on property, then you're not gonna get any deals, okay? So where the deal stacks? You've got to offer. So what I normally say to people is that if you are out there viewing five properties a week, then that's great. If you're not, you've gotta start, folks, okay? You've gotta be out there viewing at least five properties a week, and you know what? You've gotta offer on all of them, every single one, because if you're not putting offers in, then you're not gonna get any deals. And very often, a lot of people will say, oh, you know what, they're not gonna accept that offer. No, there's no way will they accept that. They put the offer in and it's accepted. So you're not gonna know unless you put your offers in. You've got to keep pushing, you've got to keep moving forwards, you've got to keep negotiating, and you've gotta make sure that your campaigns are out there all of the time, okay? Now, a no or a refusal will tell you more about the deal. It will open the deal up It'll give you more information about what the vendor is looking for than anything else. So if somebody says to you, no, open it up, okay? Thank you, what is it about the deal you're not happy with? Maybe there's something we can do. Maybe there's something that we can negotiate on. I Hope you enjoyed that, folks. That is our Negotiations Like a Ninja, lots of information in there and um, you know, lots of things for you to practice, but the, the most important thing is get to those networking meetings, get out there, start practicing your listening skills and your negotiation skills.